UiPath is a global software company which is focused on robotic process automation for enterprises. Mm -hmm. It allows enterprises identify repetitive tasks that their employees are performing. This will liberate hours and time for the employees so that they can perform better tasks which will allow enterprises scale their businesses. Leveraging crowdsourcing, task mining, and process mining, corporations can identify where the automation opportunities exist, which can allow them to develop a plan on what to automate, when to automate, and how to automate. Strategic alignment at leadership level is the key. If ultimately all leaders can see the benefits of the investments that they are going to make, benefits in the form of how it translates into the growth of enterprise value, those are the most successful organizations. That's why I think in the era of great resignation, automation should be the number one priority for all CIOs and CFOs. This is CIONET TV. My name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Hitesh Ramani, who is the Chief Accounting Officer at UiPath. A very warm welcome, Hitesh. Thank you, Hendrik. Happy to be here. Hitesh, you grew up and you studied accounting in India. You worked almost 20 years uh, for Deloitte and you moved to the US in 2005 and you joined UiPath in 2021. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. What's your background and how did you arrive in this position? Hendrik, as you said, I am a chief accounting officer at UiPath. Prior to joining mm -hmm. UiPath, I was an audit partner at Deloitte. I started mm -hmm. my career with Deloitte in India. I'm a chartered accountant by background. I was an auditor at Deloitte serving Deloitte's audit clients. After coming to the US around 2005, I started serving Deloitte's large and prominent clients, helping them with their mm -hmm. audit needs. Around 2015, I took all those learnings from serving their large clients and advised and started advising some of Deloitte's young venture capital back emerging growth company clients. These mm -hmm. companies were in technology industry so with my knowledge of serving companies in technology industry, plus my experience of serving US-based public companies, I was a perfect candidate to join UiPath as its chief, chief accounting officer. In fact, UiPath mm -hmm. was one of my clients, and due to that background, they asked me to come and join them. That's how I ended okay. up became, uh, being at UiPath. In a couple of sentences, for those of us who don't know UiPath uh, yet, how would you describe the company, and, and what is it that UiPath does really, really well? UiPath is a global software company which is focused on robotic process automation for enterprises. Mm -hmm. It allows enterprises identify repetitive tasks that their employees are performing so that enterprises can go and automate those. This mm -hmm. will liberate hours and time for the employees so that they can perform better tasks which will allow enterprises scale their businesses. So, uh, companies are redesigning work processes and, and automation is becoming key uh, to optimize these processes, to save cost and, and, and to innovate as well. So uh, how in the finance department of UiPath, how are you eating your own dog food? How are you drinking your own champagne? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? When I joined UiPath, I was pleasantly surprised that my organization included 154 people but 250 automations. Mm -hmm. We have automations in every department within finance and accounting organization. 
In fact, on a monthly leadership call, we promote our employees to identify opportunities where we need to do automation, how to use our citizen developers so they can develop automations on their own and deploy them. But the main advantage of doing all these things is it allows us to close our books in a very timely manner, in a very effective manner, so that our financial information, which is shared by, which is used by our internal leaders and also mm -hmm. our analysts and external customers, they can rely on those financial information and they can receive that information in a timely manner. Okay, so key is that you can close your books faster and that people are more happy. Uh, and, uh, and, and some people say that we live in the great resignation now, and especially in the US, uh, lots of people are changing jobs and people don't wanna do boring jobs anymore. So, so that's certainly a key issue and uh, that we can give meaningful work to people, correct? I'll use my personal experience, Hendrik, to answer that question. Mm -hmm. As a former audit partner, what I had noted is in audit profession, auditors spend substantial amount of their time taking information from their client records and documenting into the audit work papers. Mm -hmm. Clearly, if audit firms can identify ways to automate that process, they can liberate so much of time for their auditors so that they can go and perform effective audit. They can yeah. actually do what they're trained to do, which is do the audit versus doing the documentation. That is just one example. In my mind, when you think about this, holistically for any enterprise, CIOs and CFOs should be focused on saying, A, was one, we have scarce resources. How is the best way we can optimize these resources? Can we, as a corporation, identify areas where such resources are performing mundane tasks so we can liberate those, those hours and allow our employees do what they are, the, the reason why they were primarily hired to do? And yeah. that's why I think in the era of great resignation, automation should be the number one priority for all CIOs and CFOs. Okay, let's touch a little bit more on the audit part. And I'm, I'm personally interested because my son recently joined Deloitte as an, as, an, as an auditor. So how, in audit specifically, where do you see the big opportunity? And, and is there already a lot of, uh, of automation happening there? Or is, is there still a huge benefit to be gained there? I believe audit firms are already focused on automation which is one of the key priorities for them because they have also realized that there is not enough auditors available and the work keeps increasing every day. Yep. Having said that, the core audit function when they are performing test of internal controls or when mm -hmm. they are performing test of details where they are supposed to go and understand their client's processes or where they're supposed to go and obtain information from the client and perform the testing, most of those core processes are still dated. They are, the, they are done the way they have been done for last 200 wow. years. I truly believe by using intelligent process automation technologies such as task capture, task mining, process mining, and also robotic process automation, auditors can transform these processes so that the auditors can go and conduct the audit versus spending their time capturing the information through inquiries with their client and through documentation. So let's go back to the finance departments of big corporates, uh, Itesh. What is the way that corporates can decide where to invest in automation and where do they get most returns? So what is the, what's the decision process in your experience? It's not just finance organization. Mm -hmm. Any organization, when they think about where to automate, that mm -hmm. is the number one struggle. And that is one of the reasons why we are seeing that the adoption rate is not where we would expect it as mm -hmm. an organization. From my standpoint, whenever you think about automation on innovation, 
it's the necessity which is the mother of invention or automation so they need to identify the people who are doing the work if you mm -hmm. can provide them a platform such that they can identify the opportunity that needs to be automated in fact uipath one of our products on our platform is called automation hub what it does is it allows corporations crowdsource ideas directly from their employees on areas where they believe are the opportunities that they can actually do the op uh, automation that is one area outside of that there are other we call them as discover technologies such mm -hmm. as task mining and process mining a task mining is a technology where an employee can identify their daily tasks that they are performing and it will help enterprises identify opportunities where that employee is performing repetitive tasks whereas process mining is a technology which allows corporations identify and understand processes mm -hmm. and understand within that processes where the repetitive tasks exist so that they can identify areas where they can automate yep. leveraging crowdsourcing task mining and process mining corporation can identify where the automation opportunities exist which can allow them to develop a plan on what to automate when to automate and how to automate so itash in your opinion how do you see the role of the cio how do you see the role of the cfo in in, in automating uh, processes in the finance department who should have the lead in this i think it's a partnership Mm -hmm. Hendrik, honestly, it's a partnership between the CIO and the CFO. Mm -hmm. While CIOs have to incorporate automation as part of their own strategic initiatives, CFOs should be supporting that. The reason it is is while these technologies does take upfront investment, at the end, it does benefit the organization. It benefits the organization from the standpoint that it creates a better employee experience. It benefits the organization from the standpoint that it allows organization to save substantial amount of time, money, and energy. And as a result, the organization is able to scale faster. Itesh, in my view, in my simple view on things, I always think that the CIO is the innovator and the changer and the transformer inside organizations as, and, and, and financial directors, CFOs, are more the controllers and, and more conservative. Is that still true today or, or do I have a misperception of these uh, roles and functions? I believe what you just highlighted used to be the case in the past. Mm -hmm. As newer technologies have emerged, both the role of a CIO and CFO has changed. Mm -hmm. The amount of data that's available and the new technologies such as the intelligent process automation technologies corporations are transforming how they've operated. Mm -hmm. I do agree that the primary responsibility of transforming an, uh, an organization resides with the CIO and CFOs are generally focused on the metrics. However, what I've learned is by partnering with, the or with each of these two organizations, corporations can identify how they can rapidly transform their organizations from a digital standpoint, also allow their employees an opportunity to bring value to the corporation and therefore scale their businesses. Yeah. Now you've worked with a lot of large organizations in the past. How do you, I mean, uh, uh, you must have seen places where CIO, CFO work very well together and where they more fight than, than anything else. What is, in your opinion, what, what's the secret to success of having these two functions work well together? I believe strategic alignment at leadership level is the key. Mm -hmm. 
if ultimately all leaders can see the benefits of the investments that they are going to make benefits in the form of how it translates into the growth of enterprise value those are the most successful organizations mm -hmm. and therefore whenever corporations are making a decision about making an investment you need to make sure that you're aligned in terms of the ROI you're not only measuring it from a metric standpoint that is you know how many hours you saved or how many dollars you saved but also you have to look at as a result how you're able to scale the business also as a result how you're able to retain and attract talent and mm -hmm. when you take all those decisions into equation what you will see is very likely leaders will come together to make the right decision for the corporation which will then translate into the growth of the enterprise value okay i want to come back uh, to the earlier question uh, when you talked about how can you decide where to invest and which processes to automate. Um, and you said that um, we, there's tools for that, but there's also um, you need to give people incentives uh, to, uh, to find the right process to, processes to automate. Does that mean that you could use, for instance, gamification in this? Yeah. That's a very good point that you highlighted. In fact, I was recently talking to one of my former partners at Deloitte, mm -hmm. and the concept was how can you incorporate automation within the strategy for a public accounting firm? Now, as you know, most of these public accounting firms, especially in the US, have at least 100,000 employees. Yep. The concept was how can you encourage the idea of you know, making automation as part of their day-to-day -day life? I think gamification is one of the best and the great ideas because most of our younger talent today, if you give them an incentive or recognition on how they can identify opportunities and if you can highlight such, such instances on, on a national platform, it will encourage the behavior to identify more opportunities where they can do automation. For example, let's take a corporation and divide them into three regions, East, Central, and West. Mm -hmm. And if you can announce within that corporation saying, we are going to introduce uh, a concept of how many automations that each regions are going to produce on a monthly basis. Now it's a nice, friendly, competitive environment where each of the employees in each of these regions are now working towards winning that, uh, winning that tournament that you just created in a very friendly manner. What it does is it actually creates the natural ability to think and identify areas on how to automate. And as a corporation, it actually results in really positive results. Okay, that's a great idea. Let's talk a little bit how finance is organized at, at UiPath. Is it, is it organized like typically uh, big corporates are organized? What are, what are the different functions? Um, and can you also elaborate a little bit on, on, on your specific role as chief accounting officer? What is it that, that you do? So how, how are you organized and what is it that you do? Hendrik, as you know, we were founded in Romania. Mm -hmm. We are a globally divided corporation. We have employees based in Romania, in Japan, in the US, and in India. Mm -hmm. um, our organization is not very different than what you typically see at other corporations. It's just that when you ask me a question saying, Hitesh, how many employees are there in my department? <laughs> I would say I have 154 employees, but plus 250 automations. So that mm -hmm. is what makes us different. And so when you ask me that, you know, how many employees are bringing their uh, hands and brains to work. I would say it's 154 employees plus 80,000 hours worth of bots, which is also bringing the work to the table. Okay. And is there one domain like treasury or accounts receivable or reporting where you see more opportunities for automation than in, than in other, or is it, is it across the board for finance functions? 
we see automation opportunities across the board the way okay. we really encourage that is on a monthly finance leadership call we allow our employees to come and present the automation ideas that they worked on that particular month mm-hmm. in addition to that we also highlight those employees which has achieved citizen developer certification because that is something they did over and above their regular job what it does is it now not only allows employees to identify opportunities to automate but it actually allows them to do the automation themselves uh, which actually makes automation uh, the adoption of automation much faster okay so what's the role of the C- uh, the chief accounting officer Hendrik in my role as a chief accounting officer I'm focused on three important things mm-hmm. first one is timely and accurate reporting of financial information this information is used by our internal leaders for decision making purposes and it is also used by our regulators customers and investors mm-hmm. second is to protect the assets of the company and finally third one and its most important one is to be a strategic partner to the other functional leaders this allows us to collaborate with the other leaders and ensure that decisions are made in the interest of the corporation so itesh how would you describe your management style how do you make your team successful how your 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 people successful what's your secret for success hendrik i would again like like to highlight three things mm-hmm. that defines my management style number 1 is my listening skills i strongly believe that listening to your team members to your employees and your people is very important because you want to make sure that you as a manager are taking their ideas into account when you are making decisions mm-hmm. the second most important thing is empowering your people i believe this will allow them to bring their best foot forward and then finally I strongly believe that I should be using the strengths of my team members so that only great results can come from it. Okay. And how easy is it for you? I mean, I'm imagining it's very easy for you to attract top talent because it's such an exciting company. I mean, you're in high tech, fast growing company. Is that correct or or do you struggle to attract and retain uh, top talent in, uh, in in your finance departments? First of all, finance department is in a very high demand right now where we live. With so many companies becoming public, so attracting talent is generally difficult. Mm-hmm. Having said that, every time when I interview new candidates who are interested in joining UiPath, when I highlight and explain to them that I have 250 automations within finance and accounting organization, it makes them realize that what they will be bringing to the table is their creativity and not repetitive tasks. that makes it very special and easy for me to attract talent as far as retaining the talent as i highlighted earlier by listening to my team members empowering them and leveraging their strengths it makes it relatively easy for me to retain my talent okay now special of course is you have you have teams around the world like you said you have teams and people in romania and india and us and japan how do you um how do you manage that on the on the cultural side because i mean these are four completely different cultures so so what's how do you do that i completely agree it becomes relatively challenging when you are working for a global corporation mm-hmm. uh, having said that the fact that i come from india culture wise as it relates to working with my colleagues in india is relatively easy <laughs> and for the fact that i've been in us for last 15 year i i have almost become an american at this point so it's also easier in america so that leaves me yeah. with two other geographies where i may have a challenge <laughs> one is romania and second one is japan 
Um, I strongly believe it's easiest, the easiest way to learn culture is by actually going, visiting to that place, mm -hmm. meeting with people, dining with those people, so that you can understand the culture firsthand and it makes your job much easier. So as soon as I joined UiPath, what I did is within the first six months, I actually visited Romania. Fortunately, I was able to make a trip when the COVID rates were at the lowest <laughs> level in Romania, and I was very fortunate to have first-hand interaction with my team members in Romania. And so that leaves me with my last challenge, which is Japan. And that is one, not only a challenge from a cultural difference standpoint, but also from a time zone standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and so what I've been doing is, at minimum, making sure that I'm having very periodic conversations over Zoom, trying to learn from my team members the basics of you know, how to greet people and how to thank people. And at least that allows me to ensure that I integrate myself very well with my, my, my team members in different geographies yeah. and different cultures. So let's talk about leadership style. You know, we've talked about your management style, but let's talk about leadership because managing and leading, I think are two different things. And maybe a good way to ask the question is, what do you think your teams now and, and in the past, when people talk about you and they talk about your leadership style, how do you think they will, what, what do you think they will say about you? I think they will say Hitesh is easy to work with. He's a very business focused guy who generally doesn't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And that allows them to make sure that they bring their best foot forward. Okay. So Hitesh, what drives you in your work? When at the end of the day are you happy? When, uh, what, what needs to happen? What kind of results do you want to see for you to be really happy about your work? As we all know, we work in teams. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that as a, as, as a team, when we solve the problems that we face during that day or during that week or during that month mm -hmm. successfully, that's what makes me happy. I want to make sure that it's ultimately a team effort that helps us solve those problems. Hitesh, I'm sure that you're a very hardworking professional and you, you put in many, many hours, but so, and, and how, do you, how do you decompress? How do you relax? What's, what's your way to balance, to, to get the work live balance in order um, for yourself? This is a very important question. You know, as we all know, especially during pandemic, most of us are struggling with this. Uh, this mm -hmm. is actually one of the hot topics. You know, how do people decompress? Uh, to me personally is my family. Mm -hmm. uh, the moment I turn off my laptop, go downstairs and see my family, which includes my wife and two girls, uh, two daughters. Uh, the moment I see their faces is how I feel that, you know, okay, I've come into another world altogether. Uh, this allows me to decompress, you know, spending time with them, making sure at least I'm having one meal of the day with them, uh, making sure that after the dinner, we go out for a walk as a family. Mm -hmm. uh, that is what actually allows me to de decompress and be happy. Okay, so you, you share with me that you have two daughters, 13, 16, teenagers, um, must be very, must be fun to have uh, daughters of this age. But what I wanted to know is, um, what are the kind of values that you live by? What, is the, what are the core values of your family? What are the values that you are passing on to your children? As you said, I have two daughters. My older one's 13 years old, she's a teenager, and the younger one is six years old. Uh, there are three things. They're actually written on my whiteboard at my home office. Mm -hmm. they, that is, those are the three things I live by and those are the three things I teach them. The first one is perseverance. Second one is grit. And third one is honesty. These mm -hmm. are the three things with which I live by and that is what I teach my kids. And could you give me an example what what you mean with perseverance and what you mean with grit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for example, a uh, few years ago, 
I really wanted a promotion at Deloitte while I was at Deloitte. Mm-hmm. And I did not get that promotion. Uh, but again, as I explained to you earlier, I don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I operated as if I was already promoted at the next level. And I continue to do it so successfully that the leadership at the corporation realized that this person actually deserves that promotion and ultimately I was promoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from my standpoint, you know, you have to be very determined, focused and ensure that you're always thinking about the vision where you want to go uh, and have that passion. Uh, to me, that grit is very important because without that, without perse- perseverance, without grit and grit without perseverance doesn't do any good. You need to make sure you have both of them in order to achieve the goals in your life. Okay. Now, a common thread in all the interviews that we uh, do is we ask for people's MBTI profile. And you have shared that your personality type is you are an ENTJ, also known as an executive. And these are uh, people that like tradition, order, they utilize their understanding of what is right and wrong. And, and they're socially acceptable to bring their families and communities together is really what, uh, what drives people with your personality type. What I wanted to test with you is the strengths and the weaknesses of this uh, personality type and see if they fit you as well so that we better understand you as a, uh, as, as a person and as a leader and as a, uh, as a professional. So people with your personality profile, their strengths are that they're typically very dedicated, strong-willed, direct, honest, loyal, patient, reliable. They enjoy creating order and they're excellent organizers. How does that sound to you? Does that resonate? Does that describe you as a, as a person very well? I believe that describes me extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a very direct person. In fact, uh, I'm straightforward. Uh, I, am, I express my views uh, mm-hmm. very, very clearly so that we want to make sure that you know, those are taken into account while others are making decisions around those views. Mm-hmm. The next important thing for me is being organized, making sure that I give clear directions to my team members in terms of what my expectations are so that Mm -hmm. there is no confusion after the fact. Uh, I do think uh, the traits that you described uh, clearly resonates with me. So people with your personality type, they have potentially the following weaknesses. They can be inflexible or stubborn, uncomfortable with unconventional situations, sometimes judgmental to focus on social status, Some of them have difficulty to relax and some have difficulty to express emotions. Which of these do you recognize for yourself and how as a successful leader, how how do you overcome them? How do you manage these uh, typical weaknesses? Hendrik, two of those traits uh, clearly resonate with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, First being difficult to relax and the next one being uh, understanding the emotions. You know, uh, clearly I've noted this after every project, once we successfully wrap up a project, uh, clearly I could go home and watch Netflix. But instead, I am on to already thinking what are the lessons learned from this and how can I go and debrief with my team? Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to the second point, uh, I do realize that when I am so focused on work at times, uh, I am a little low on emotions and that Mm -hmm. is something I realize it. And I have been constantly trying to overcome that by making sure that I talk more often with my, with my wife, my family, so, so I can understand where they're coming from. Same way with my, my colleagues as well, uh, to, and just to make sure that I understand their emotions and appreciate them better. Okay. Now, in your long career that you already had, did you have any important mentors? 
Now, did you have any people that you look up to, that, that you learned important things uh, of? And, and could you maybe give one or two examples what you learned from, from who? Absolutely. I'm sure almost everyone throughout their career might have had some mentor because I strongly believe every person is what they are because of the mentorship slash coaching that they might have received throughout their career. Mm -hmm. From my standpoint, um, one of the managing partners at Deloitte who I had closely worked with was, was a great mentor for me. I learned a lot of things from him. Uh, one of the important things that he always told me is, Hitesh, remember, cream always rises to the top. And that is one mantra which always allowed me to make sure that you give your best and things will work out naturally. Mm -hmm. So Hitesh, one of my favorite questions in these interviews is uh, ask people about their most brilliant failures. I mean, we all make our mistakes, but it's important that we learn from them. So would you mind sharing what was maybe one of your most brilliant failures and what you learned from it? Henrik, this is an interesting question. Uh, I'm sure most of us might have done those brilliant mistakes. Uh, as I reflect on that question, I think uh, back when, when I was an auditor, I used to relatively easily trust my team members. Mm -hmm. And what I learned, at least from a from couple of those instances, is when you, when you trust them and you realize after the fact that they had not done what you had asked them to do, you end up miscommunicating the results with those charged with governance. And what that taught me is I need to make sure I spend enough time with my team members and ensure that they gain my trust. Uh, and that way, when I am making uh, communications of important matters to the leadership, which are using those communications for decision-making purposes, uh, they are relying on accurate information versus just word of mouth. So Hitesh, you're a very uh, successful guy. And, um, and so I want to know what, what, what is the best thing that has ever happened to you in your life? Henrik, I think two things that happened to me, those are very best, and I think mm -hmm. both are equally important. One mm -hmm. is professional, other one is personal. Mm -hmm. The professional one is, this was early on in my career while I was in India. Um, I had applied for an internship, which actually was very random, uh, at one of the largest public corporations in India. It's a mm -hmm. subsidiary of Unilever in India. And to me, the, that opportunity was the best thing that happened to me because it really transformed me to be a professional that I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, that organization in India was known as a company which produced managers, so I learned a lot. It actually changed my thought process on how I should be operating as a manager, and I've learned a lot from the leaders within that corporation. So to me, that internship opportunity was one of the game-changing experiences for me, which transformed me uh, professionally. The the, the personal aspect was, uh, of course, uh, my, my, uh, my marriage. Um, when I got married to my, my wife, um, uh, that also transformed me because it, uh, um, it really, uh, as, as we discussed, one of the traits of an executive is, uh, you know, folks who cannot appreciate emotions very well. Uh, even whatever I do today is because of my wife. I think she allows me to make sure that I reflect on the human aspect of everything versus mm -hmm. just being transactional. Uh, to me, these two uh, were, were the most important uh, instances in my life which actually transformed me. So that was the great and the good things that happened in your life. 
Where the, if, if you think back, what was maybe the worst things that happened in your life and how did you overcome that? Uh, while I think this is, this one is interesting one because to me, leaving your home country, coming to another country, mm -hmm. uh, where now you are not physically close to your siblings mm -hmm. and your parents, um, that was relatively tough as I reflect on it. To me, yeah. um, making sure that making a conscious effort to then interact with your family members who are living on the other side of the ocean uh, was, became more important as a result of that. Yeah. Um, and the way the consciously we've done, and thanks to Apple for that matter, is now you can actually FaceTime your family and that <laughs> way you can be closer. But to me, uh, while I would not call it as worst thing, it was a hard thing for me uh, yeah. when I did come to the US for the first time. Okay. In your life, professionally, privately, what is it that you fear most and what is it that you love most? I fear most about the things that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because when I don't know the things, I'm not in a control, controllable situation. So for me to make sure that I'm able to solve a problem, I need to know what the problem is. So I'm mm -hmm. really afraid when I don't know what the problem is. So Hitesh, before we come to the end of this interview, um, I always want to know what is it that you would advise your younger self, or let's put it in another way, people that look at this interview and then also want to become very successful in the finance functions or technology functions in, in big corporates. What is the advice that you would give to ambitious future leaders of today? I would like to go back to the three things that I highlighted earlier. Mm -hmm. I think perseverance, grit, and honesty. To me, that becomes a baseline. Mm -hmm. I do advise my younger self or the younger professionals today to take the advantage of the technology solutions available to them. For example, the power of data, mm -hmm. internet, AI, and machine learning. These technologies will allow them to bring their best forward. I do believe that the way the future of job is going to look like is going to be very different. These technologies will enable them and will give them tools so that they can make better decisions. They should be embracing these technologies in their decision-making on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, Nitesh, and on that note, I would like to thank you for your time and for sharing all your insights on, uh, on, on that you have accumulated in your career and, uh, and for this uh, interesting conversation here today. So thank you so much. I look forward to visiting you in beautiful New York at the right time, uh, but thank you for now. Thank you very much. And I look forward to welcoming you to the New York City. Really enjoyed today's session. Thank you, Hendrik.